Also, hello to Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And those of you that are listening um, to the replay on the podcast, we are going over The Mastery of Love, which is a phenomenal book if you want to understand more about not only how to love yourself and love other people, but also why your most loving relationships don't work the way that you want them to. Hey, get fit with Sasha. So we're going to skip to chapter four because on chapter three, he just went over like a quick little story. And in chapter four, it's a very deep chapter. It's not a long chapter, but it really goes into some information that I feel is going to kind of give you these aha moments tonight. And so I want to go ahead and get started. Chapter four, if you have the book that I have, starts off on page 55 if you want to get into that. We are going to go ahead and get started again. What we're talking about today is why your partner doesn't understand you, or it could be the reverse, why your most loving, most in your most loving, intimate relationships, maybe your partner doesn't understand you, or maybe the people that are close to you or the people that love you don't understand you. So chapter four is called The Track of Love, The Track of Fear, and it states your whole life is nothing but a dream. You live in a fantasy where everything you know about yourself is only true for you. This is important for you to understand. It's only true for you. Your truth is not the truth for anyone else. And that includes your own children or your own parents. Just consider what you believe about yourself and maybe what your mom believes about you. She can say that she knows you very well. Or, you know, other people in your life can think that they know you very well, but they have no idea who you are because we all have this hidden part of ourselves, our more authentic self, our soul, um, that we don't share with other people. We don't share every thought that we have with other people. We don't share every feeling that we have with other people. And so even the people that we want to know as well and the people that claim to know as well don't have any idea of who we really are. And half the time, you don't know. Hey, um, Ashley Nicole, half the time, you don't know who you really are. So that's part of the problem as well. You're expecting other people to know you, yet you're unable to tap into your authentic self and live from that place. Side note, if you don't know what authentic self means, then I did a podcast on it a couple of weeks ago. You need to check it out because authentic self is not keeping it real. It's not being blunt. It's not having a lack of tact because you are um, giving your thoughts and emotions to other people or sharing your thoughts and emotions to other people because we've learned for all of you that have been rocking with this book study, these book studies we've been doing for months, you know that your thoughts and feelings aren't even the real you. So if you don't even know who your authentic self is, then you have a problem right there because you don't even know who you are, yet you're expecting people to know who you are and people that love you and are close to you think that they know who you are. But he says, your mom can say that she knows you very well, but she has no idea who you really are. And you know that she doesn't know who you are. And you can believe that you know your mother very well, but you really don't have any idea of who your mother really is. Your mom can have all these fantasies in her mind that she never shared with anyone else, just like you have those, just like I have those, just like Greg has those. So when we don't 
share those things and we don't have to share them, but those parts of ourselves that we don't share with other people, nobody has any idea about. And so you have to know that even if you think that you understand other people, you may not, or you may not understand them fully is what he's saying. And this is important because you're going to take these little tidbits and you're going to start to understand how the way that you may have done relationships in the past, the way that you, the way that you may currently be doing relationships right now is maybe part of the reason why they don't turn out the way that you expect them to do, to be. Um, if you look at your own life and you try to remember what you did when you were 11 or 12 years old, you will hardly remember more than 5% of your own life. Of course, you will remember the most important things like your name, because you repeat these all the time. But sometimes you forget the name of your own children or your friends, and that's because your life is made by dreams. Many little dreams that are changing all the time. And dreams have a tendency to dissolve, and that's why we forget things so easily. Every human being has a personal dream life. This is important. Has a personal dream life, and that dream is completely different from anyone else's dream. Another reason why this is important is because we get in these relationships with what we want to be like-minded people. People that you're in a relationship don't have to think like you. They don't have to say, have to have the same dreams as you. They don't have to understand your dreams, right? Because like he's saying, we all have these different dreams that are put on us. What you need to be searching for is people who have like values as yours. Because if you have like values, that is the thing that keeps you connected to yourself, your authentic self, and your power place. And it's the same stuff that's going to keep your partner, your friends, whoever connected to their power place. And you get to connect to each other from that space. But too many times we feel like we need to have partners that think like us, that support our every move, that understand our dreams, etc. When that is not truly what is important for you to have the type of relationship that you want to have. All right, so he says, we dream according to all the beliefs that we have, and we modify our dream according to the way that we judge and according to the way that we are victimized. That is why dreams are never the same for two people. In a relationship, we can pretend to be the same, to think the same, to feel the same, to dream the same, but there is no way that that can happen. There are two dreamers in a relationship, right? In a relationship with someone else. There are two dreamers with two different dreams. Even if they're similar, they're not the same. We may go about them different ways, right? And every dreamer is going to dream in his own way. And that's why we need to accept the differences that exist between two dreamers. We need to respect each other's dream. I don't know if he's going to get into this because I read this a very long time ago. But something that you can think about when you hear this particular part in this book is, so every dreamer is going to dream their own way, and that's why you need to accept and respect each other. But what we tend to do is because we don't show up as our authentic self and because we want to be loved and we want to be accepted, when we get into these relationships, we lose parts of who we are to the relationship in order to do maybe what we think is compromising when in fact, if your values don't align, you're not compromising, you're sacrificing. And if you don't understand the difference between that, that's another podcast you can go listen to. But 
Anyway, so we get into these relationships and we find out as we get to know each other more and more and more that we are very different, maybe more different than we thought that we were. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. But instead of respecting each other, what we try to do is convince the other person, our partner, our family members, our friends to understand our perspective or understand our viewpoint instead of just respectfully allowing people the space to grow, to dream, to be in their own power place in a way that is conducive to who they are. We don't need to be moving in the same journey in the same way. And the frustration comes, sorry, I keep hitting this. And the frustration comes when we try to even though manipulate can seem like a negative word, when you're trying to control something, when you're trying to change something, you are manipulating a situation. So we try to manipulate these relationships and these situations so that they turn out the way that we want them to based on our, our expectations. The problem with that is you're basing it off of your expectations. And what else did he say we have? Our judgments our victimhoods, the things that we have been through, which is going to be totally different than whoever it is that you're entering into these relationships, these loving relationships with. So we can have thousands of relationships at the same time, but every relationship is between two people and no more than two. I have a relationship with each one of my friends and it is just between two. I have a relationship with each one of my children, and each relationship is completely different from the others. According to the way the two people dream, they create the direction of the dream that we call a relationship. So he's even saying that your wounds, your judgments, your partner's wounds, your partner's judgments come together. And in that, it doesn't matter if you're in a family, let's say you are a part, you have a partner, y'all have kids, that really means nothing because the dynamic between you and your husband, you and your firstborn, maybe you and your lastborn are going to be totally different relationships. And every relationship that you will have with mom, with dad, brothers, sisters, friends is unique because when you combine the energy of you and someone else, it it grows into something different, right? Depending on the two people involved and it's unique because like he's saying, I'm not the same as you, you're not the same as your partner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But every relationship becomes a living being made by two dreamers. Just as your body has is made by cells, your dreams are made by emotions. There are two main sources of those emotions. The one is fear, and all the emotions that come from fear. And then the other is love and all the emotions that come from love. And we experience both emotions, but guess what? The one that predominates in everyday people is fear. So think about this. You're creating these unique bonds with the different people that you meet in your life. And because we're talking about love, think about how that dynamic works in your intimate relationships and you trying to create something that is long-lasting, that's beautiful, that's supportive, that has integrity, that is caring, that has you and your partner moving in the same direction. However, most of the way that you approach the bonds that you make with other people is based out of fear due to certain judgments or certain experiences or what he calls victimhood in this particular book. But again, for those of you that have been rocking with this daily study for a minute, you know that 
there's something much deeper going on than just, you know, what he's saying, victimhood. There's just a whole bunch of falsities that we allow to rule ourselves, rule our lives, rule our relationships, because we think that our thoughts and we think that our emotions are real things that are who we are and they're not. They're just a, a part of how we experience the world that we live in. So we can say that the normal kind of relationship in this world is based 95% on fear and 5% on love. And of course, this will change depending on the people, right? When you start to first and foremost, learn how to live life through your power plays, your dynamics and your relationship change. And as you continue to live authentically and grow and take this journey of personal mastery to always want to cultivate an environment where you're becoming better and better every day, then relationships change. But the problem is, for a lot of you, you may take the small step where your relationship may go from 95% fear-based to 60% fear-based. And, and yeah, your love and your understanding of love of yourself and love of your partner grows, but fear is still the predominant energy that, that you, um, you make your decisions based on. And because of that, guess what? Your relationships are still based on fear. In order to understand these emotions, he says, we can describe certain characteristics about love and fear that he's going to call track of love and the track of fear. And these two tracks are merely points of reference to see to help you understand how you are living your life. These divisions are for the logical mind to understand and try to have some control over the choices that you make. And so he's going to talk right now in this book on page 59 about some of the characteristics of love versus fear. I think he's, I think he's going to go back and forth so you'll be able to understand the difference and see what is the predominant energy of your relationship? Because remember, again, if you're on this journey to be a better person and show up as your best self, it's not going to matter. It, it'll shift things a little bit if you go from 95% fear-based to 60% fear-based, but you still are going to be left wondering why you're unable to cultivate the type of relationships that you want. And it's because you're still primarily approaching them from fear-based decisions. So. Number one, love has no obligations and fear is full of obligations. We do this all the time. Some of you know, like for me, my obligation was if you don't do what I say, I'm going to pout, I'm going to be mad, I'm going to ignore you. I'm a, um, some people, y'all ghost people like that kind of relationship is still love having an obligation. So love has no obligations and fear is full of obligations. If you love me, you love me or else. If you love me, you would do this. Um, and that's where, you know, that resentment and that anger grows from what we expect versus what our partner is doing in the relationship. In the track of fear, whatever we do is because we have to do it. And we expect other people to do something because they have to do it. We have the obligation. And as soon as we have to, we resist it. I'm not going to go after my dream because my partner doesn't support my dream. My partner doesn't see my dream. That is not you compromising. That is you sacrificing a value. And whenever you sacrifice parts of yourself and then look to your partner, expecting that when it's their time, 
to come to sacrifice and they don't do it and you wonder why because you've given up parts of yourself in order to um you know create peace and harmony in your relationship resentment occurs big time and you will never be comfortable in a relationship where you have sacrificed your values thinking that you are compromising because when it comes time for your partner to do the same thing, most of the time they don't. A lot of people, even if it's for better or for worse, um, and if they have a strong sense of who they are, even if it's not right, they're not going to sacrifice the true authentic person that is connected to what it is that they value, what it is that they truly care about, even if they don't vocalize or verbalize that to you, or even if they don't understand that that's what they're doing. All right. So we have the obligation. And as soon as we have to, as soon as you have to do anything in a relationship, you, you resist it. They resist it. And then the more resistance we have, the more we suffer. And sooner or later, we try to escape these obligations. Some people try to escape them physically, right? They leave the relationship. Or some people try to escape them more mentally, more emotionally. They just kind of check out and do their own thing, right? And let's take it back to the front of this conversation. They do it and they don't even tell you about it because a lot of things that we have inside of us, we don't share with other people. So then he says, those are my own words. Then he says, um, on the other hand, love has no resistance. Whatever we do is because we want to do it. It becomes a pleasure. It's like a game and we have fun with it. Love has no expectations. Fear is full of expectations. With fear, we do things because we expect that we have to and we expect that others are going to do the same thing. So he's getting into what I was just talking about. We expect, expect others are going to do the same. And this is why fear hurts and love doesn't hurt. We expect something, and if it doesn't happen, we feel hurt. It isn't fair. We blame others for not fulfilling our expectations. When we love, we don't have expectations. We just do stuff because we want to, and if the other person does it or not, it doesn't matter, and it's not because they want to do it or not. It's nothing personal. It's not about you, right? When we don't expect something to happen, then if nothing happens, it's not important. But some of you are going to hear that and think that means that you don't have to have standards in your relationship. And that's totally different. You don't put expectations on people in love. But yes, you can have standards, which goes back to what I was saying, that you want to primarily be merging with people in your life that carry at least the same core values as you, even though they may not be similar to you. So when we don't expect something to happen, if nothing happens, it's not important. We don't feel hurt because whatever happens is okay. That is why hardly anything hurts us when we are in love. When you are in love, not like, not what you think is love, but when you are in love, hardly anything hurts because you aren't expecting that your lover will do something. You have no obligations. Love is based on respect and fear doesn't respect anything, including itself. If I feel sorry for you, it means I don't respect you. You cannot make your own choices. When I have to make the choices for you, at that point, I don't respect you. 
And if I don't respect you, then I try to control you. And most of the time when we tell our children how to live their lives, it's because we don't respect them or we feel sorry for them and we try to do it for, for them, what they should be doing for themselves. When I don't respect myself, I feel sorry for myself. So that's deep too, right? And it may not look to you like you're feeling sorry for yourself, but maybe if you reversed it and said, I don't respect myself and started to dig deeper into the why you may not respect yourself, why you may not love yourself, why you may not do the things that you need to do in your life to be better because that's what your heart is calling you to do, then you may start to uncover some of these things that he's saying about maybe you feel sorry for yourself or another way to say that would be there's a little bit of victimhood mentality. Um, and that's a, a word that people don't like to hear, but I think you guys know what we're talking about in relation to this particular passage in this book. Okay, so when I don't respect myself, I feel sorry for myself. I feel like I'm not good enough to make it in this world. How do you know when you don't respect yourself? When you say, poor me, I'm not strong enough, smart enough, cute enough, intelligent enough, beautiful enough, I can't make it. Self-pity comes from disrespect. We'll do one more little passage and then we'll pick it up tomorrow with this love versus fear conversation. So love is ruthless. You probably never heard it described that way, but love is ruthless. It doesn't feel sorry for anyone, but it does have compassion. Fear is full of pity. It feels sorry for everyone. You feel sorry for me when you don't respect me, when you don't think that I'm strong enough to make it. On the other hand, love respects. I love you. I know you can make it. I know you're strong enough, intelligent enough, good enough that you can make your own choices and I don't have to make choices for you. You can make it. If you fall though, right? Because this is love. If you fall, I can give you my hand and I can help you stand up and I can say, you can do it and you know keep going. That is compassion. But some of you, especially if you find yourself in these codependent relationships, feeling sorry for people, wanted to help them to the point of, um, you know, almost wanted to take over and make decisions for them. You're not doing anything. You're not doing them any favors. What you're doing is showing how little you respect that person's ability to find their own way in their own life. And I think, you know, he also ties this a little bit back to parenting too. So, you know, parenting with compassion. So compassion is offering your hand if somebody falls and then helping them stand up but not taking control, not trying to make choices, not telling them that you know what's best for them and trying to do that sort of thing. Um, compassion is not the same thing as feeling sorry. Compassion comes from respect and from love and feeling sorry for somebody, you, you know, disrespecting them and wanting to take their pain and all that kind of stuff comes from a lack of respect and from fear. And it's not a lack of respect, like you don't love the person, like you don't respect the role in your life. I think that he's saying that you don't respect the journey and their ability to be on their own path and dream and have to figure some things out for themselves, even though it's not in alignment with what it is that you want. So we will end there. I don't see any questions today. It's a, a really deep 
conversation because I know when I first read this book, I had never learned about relationships in this way. And by the time I got to the end of the book, it totally changed and disrupted the way that I looked at relationships. So I hope that this particular conversation sinks in well with you. If you find that you are trying to change, you want to do better, you want to adopt a different mindset, you want to learn what it means to start to develop this practice in your life where you're on a path to bettering yourself and um, learning how to do that on a daily and learn how to do that on a more spiritual level where you're not just basing your life on what you are experiencing on the day-to-day with your five senses. You understand that there's more that you can access to be more powerful, to live life from your power place. Then you can contact me if you want to work with me privately to learn how to do that. I have a couple of private coaching slots available for that. Um, Yesterday, I spoke about the personal mastery membership. So if you're new to this journey and you just want to push your, um, get your feet wet, then there's a monthly membership you can join. It's no obligation. Every month we do a module. We do live Q&As. I go live in our Facebook group um, several times during the month and just kind of we hone in on a topic, go deep into it, um, and and you have all the self-study material so that you can kind of have the path laid out for you so you don't have to think about what you want to work on for the month. Next month, November, we're going to be working on Um, how to let go, how to detach, how to not let things impact us so much so that we can move forward in our life with less baggage. So if that membership is something that you're interested in, you can DM me, message me, email me. You can go to yashikasintuition.com forward slash links. And there should be a little button you can press to learn more about the membership there as well. Otherwise, I will talk to you all tomorrow. I may have an obligation. I don't think I do, but if you want text reminders for when I go live, then text the word mastery to the phone number 833-231-4407. So you know for sure. Um, But if I don't, I usually post it somewhere on on, um, social media as well. So I will see you all tomorrow, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and we will finish our conversation on love versus fear and how it um, impacts your relationships negatively. All right, talk to you later. Bye.